When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 172 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are discussing tangible ways in which we can better manage our time. Today, I am speaking with my friend and fellow podcaster, Diane Bowden. Diane is the host of the super successful Minimalist Moms podcast, and she has a new book out by the same name. Today, we are discussing four very specific ways in which we can pare down our obligations and apply the tenets of minimalism to time management. Now, this is the second time Diane has been on the show. She was also my guest on episode 94. We talked about minimalist parenting strategies. So check it out if you missed it and enjoy my chat with my friend, Diane Bowden. Diane, I want to thank you so much for coming back on the podcast for a second time. Today, we are celebrating the release of your new book, Minimalist Moms, Living and Parenting with Simplicity. First off, congratulations. I'm so impressed. Thank you. I mean, congratulations to you, too. We kind of have book babies in the same couple of months. So yeah, it is exciting. I was just telling you before we hopped on the call, but it in some ways, it doesn't seem real. I think that it all happens so quickly that, yeah, I'm still trying to soak it in. I'm going to really try and enjoy tomorrow. But yeah, I appreciate the congrats. <laughs> well, I guess we should start there. Tell us, first of all, for anybody who doesn't know you, introduce yourself and your podcast. But then also tell us, I'm really curious to know, what was it like for you writing a book during a pandemic? <laughs> All right. Well, I'll start with introducing myself because that's probably easier to answer. So my name is Diane Bowden and I'm a mother of three. I live in Columbus, Ohio, and I do host the Minimalist Moms podcast. I think I'm going on about four, four and a half years of hosting the show. I've been doing it by myself now for almost three years. But yeah, I just talk about all facets of minimalism, whether that has to do with your schedule, your time, um, sustainability. Um, I don't talk nearly as much about sustainability as you do. But yeah, really anything decluttering, anything that has to do with minimalism. So that's the show. And and then you asked me how it was writing a book during a pandemic. So I guess it, one of the main words I would think would be unexpected. The pandemic hit mid-March. So I kind of, all of it came to a halt while we were trying to uh, navigate that, I guess. And then I really ended up just writing it last summer. And my husband, bless him, <laughs> took my kids to the park many, many days. And then I would just write at night and during those few hours each day. 
Congratulations, you turned lemonade from a lemon of a year, and I'm so excited to talk to you today about one of the aspects of your book that I find fascinating, and that is, of course, time minimalism. I think when people try to apply the tenets of minimalism to their time, especially their free time, they think, oh, just do less, relax more. But your book, you have a whole chapter dedicated to time minimalism. And as somebody who struggles with time minimalism, I'm really excited to talk to you about all your strategies today. And the first one, (laughs) right off the bat, is in your book, you suggest that we say heck yes to things. Explain that to me. That seems the opposite of being a minimalist with our time. So walk me through that. So when it comes to saying heck yes, what I mean by this is to be certain when you say yes, to really just consider all the times that you've said yes to something with that little bit of note of hesitation in your voice. And really in the back of your mind, you're cognizant of that hesitation, but it's the fear or maybe the embarrassment of saying no to someone's face that persuades you to accept without that delay. And so I think that when we are really honest with ourselves and we, maybe if someone is meeting us face to face and we're, we're offered to do something instead of saying yes, right then and there, take some time, strategize whether or not you want to do it or not, and really mean yes when you agree. And I think that so often we are just saying yes to all of these things because we're people pleasers or because honestly, sometimes we want to. And I think that when we start with minimalism, it's really about intentionality and prioritizing things. And so by saying heck yes, you're actually like meaning your yes. Your yes means yes and your no means no. So are you saying then that if I uh, I have an obligation, I'm invited to some obligation that you know, I don't, I'm not dreading it, but I'm also not super enthusiastic about it. Are you saying that if it's not a heck yes for me, it should instead then be a decline? It should be a no? So I think that that probably comes down to priorities. For some of us, I feel like I'm in a season of life where to me, yeah, I would probably say no. I feel like I have been saying yes to so many things these past few years, and it really does drain you of energy, especially I have three kids and I do have the podcast and I want to work out and I want to be present with my husband and clean my house. So there's all these things that I'm already saying yes to just because they are a part of my day. So if something doesn't sound that great, I'm likely going to say no. I think the crutch of this though is for someone that might be more introverted and that does have a hard time maybe pushing themselves outside of their boundaries. So Again, I think you'd probably have to get pretty honest with yourself about why your motive is telling you no. So that's probably going to vary person to person. But yeah, for me, I feel like life is way too short to say yes to things that we're really not feeling. (laughs) Mm. I totally am on board with your suggestion that if you say yes to something, jump into it with both feet. I th- I think that's the gist of what you're saying. Like if you're going to say yes, you enjoy it from the moment that you accept that invitation until the event or the obligation or whatever it is, is over. But I really want to dig in to the saying no to obligations suggestion because it sounds like you have that down really well in your life. And I still struggle with that. I 
just today got <laughs> invited to something that I don't want to do, but I feel due to familial obligations, I have to. And so I'm wondering, I guess, if you can, I don't know, offer your insight. What goes through your head when you get invited to something <laughs> that you don't want to do? How do you how do you put yourself first, I guess, is really what it boils down to. Yeah. So, okay. Of course, there are going to be those appointments or just groups that you have committed to. And sometimes it doesn't feel good to necessarily go to, I'm trying to think of a group that you've been committed to, like a PTO meeting or something that you have committed to. So I wouldn't tell someone, oh, you should flake out on your commitments. I think that that's important to recognize as well. You're specifically speaking to something that someone has invited you to. And to me, I guess I would, again, it would have to come back down to your closeness in this relationship. If it is a family member or it is a family event, if you're close with these family members, maybe allow them to know the insight into how you're just feeling burnout and trying to take more time for self-care. It depends on your relationship dynamic, I would say. And then again, I think if you're more introverted and you are saying no to things more regularly, maybe check in with yourself and see what the motive is behind why you're doing so. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm answering your question. Maybe I'll have you ask me it one more time so I can think through this. No, you answered it. You answered it well. I think you brought up a good point, which is, you know, how close am I to this family member? And I didn't analyze my conundrum through that lens. I would think also that if I was closer to the family member who sent me this invitation, I would be more inclined to say heck yes, but because it's not a deep, meaningful, two-way relationship, I think perhaps um that might be where of uh, some of my reluctance comes from, but no, you answered it. I think what it comes down to, I think what I hear you saying is that really sit with your reply before you reply. Yes. Sit with your reply before your reply. But also I have some people in my life that I know that they're regularly going to say no to things, but in my face-to-face meeting with them, they say maybe. And I would just prefer if they were honest with me up front and said, no, I don't have time in my space for that. It's just, in a, I'm in a very busy season and it just, I'm really reevaluating the things I say yes to. I'd rather that initial respect face to face than like, oh, I know this person's going to text me a week prior or just, I'm going to get a text later this day that says no. And I think that when we're in relationship with someone, we, I don't want to say you owe it to that person, but I guess it depends again on how deep your relationship is. But I think that you can just say like, no, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate the thought, but I'm in a season right now that's busy or like I have uh, previous engagements. So I think you can say that. And then I was going to say my example um, of something that I actually would kind of want to do. Long story short, my sister-in-law is getting married in the fall and she has a bachelorette party that is in... South Carolina. So the hotel and all the excursions, it was going to be quite the pretty penny. And for me, spending $600 on a hotel alone, that's something that I don't even do for myself and my husband. And so I actually declined going to the bachelorette party. To me, I've already set, hey, this is what I prioritize. These are my boundaries in my life. And even though this might seem kind of like fun, I've already set these foundations. And so 
because I've continued to, I guess, live that way. It was a tough conversation I had to have with my sister-in-law, but because she's seen that I've stayed consistent kind of with the boundaries that I've set around how we spend money or what we do with our time, that's, I had to say no. So again, (laughs) some of your listeners might think I'm this curmudgeon, but I just feel like I have the freedom in my relationships to do this. And again, I didn't just get here. I, I think that it does take practice and confidence and meaning yes and saying yes to the things that you want to say, say yes to, because that whole idea of, if you say yes to something, you're going to say no to something and vice versa. So if you say no to something, you're going to say yes to something else. Mm. What I hear you saying there is that it's really important to be open and honest and upfront with your decline because we've all been there, right? We've all made plans with somebody and then two hours before we're supposed to meet up, the person cancels on you. Something came up or they never wanted to do it in the first place. They said yes out of obligation and then they're, (laughs) you know, they're canceling. They're canceling the coffee date. They're canceling the dinner date. I do it sometimes and I know I shouldn't, but what I really should have done has just been honest, you know, the week prior or whenever that invitation came in. And so I'd have to ask you, did your sister-in-law go to your bachelorette party? Um, Well, we... Well, I think my sister-in-law was like 15 at that point in time. So she didn't. (laughs) But so again, the thing is, I think this is going to look just like different for every person in every situation. My bachelorette party was to a wine bar and then I went to a corn maze. (laughs) So the financial investment was very minimal, probably $50 or less. So I think that when you're asking someone to make a financial investment, this isn't just a dress in someone's wedding. This is spending over probably a grand, probably more, yeah, probably $1,500 for a party. And to me, like I said, the way that my husband and I live, that just is not realistic. And again, like we did have that conversation. We are close to one another to where I felt like I could be honest. And I I think this is where it gets very personal for each person because I don't know the different dynamics for each individual, if that makes sense. It does. And I'm really excited to talk to you about reducing decision fatigue. We're going to do that after a quick word from this week's sponsor. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is supported by Charlie Banana. I've been telling you about Charlie Banana reusable cloth diapers for a while now. They are so soft, so cute, and right now you can get 31% off your first order when you go to my special URL. I know cloth diapering might sound overwhelming. I've been there, but honestly, Charlie Banana makes it so easy. When I started, I started with just one diaper. Using just one cloth diaper a week saves 52 disposable diapers from the landfill each year. The best thing about diapering is it isn't all or nothing, and you can find the routine that works for you. Use Charlie Banana one-size cloth diapers on the weekends or just for overnights. There's no right or wrong, and every tiny step helps the environment. Order Charlie Banana reusable cloth diapers today and make sure you get 31% off your first purchase. Go now to charliebanana.com slash minimal and use promo code MINIMAL at checkout. This is a limited time deal, so don't wait. 
charliebanana.com slash minimal and enter code minimal at checkout. Okay, and we're back with Diane Bowden. We are talking about her new book, Minimalist Moms Living with Parenting and Simplicity. And Diane, I love your suggestions as they relate to reducing choices, essentially, and reducing decision fatigue. So tell me how (laughs) we've all been there. We're all overwhelmed by all the choices. How can we limit our choices so that we have more time? Yes. For me, I feel like when I streamline more of my decisions, it just makes it, honestly, it cuts down in the amount of time that I spend thinking about what am I going to do today because I've already made those decisions. So my example that I gave in the book has to do with breakfast. Typically, my kids eat like one of two, maybe three breakfasts. I, for many, like many, many months, would just eat the same breakfast every day. Some people don't like that. Some people want variation and have at it. And then maybe that's not something that drains your decision making. But for me, I'm like, I just want to come into my day knowing what we're going to have one of these two things and make your oatmeal. And then that way we're like off, we're starting our day on this, right? Like the ball's moving. And so I think that there are just so many decisions throughout your day that you can make routine like that. And I think in reducing your choices, it really does create space to focus on those tasks that you've already in like deemed important enough to remain on your list. So you have many important decisions that you have to make throughout the day. And when we are clouding, clouding, I don't know if that's the word, we're muddying our mindset and the decisions that we have to make with these little minuscule decisions that we can just streamline. I think that it just allows us so much more freedom and mental capacity to make the harder choices in our day to day. Yeah. Your response makes me think about how I parent and how you probably parent and how many of my listeners probably parent, right? We're not going to give a three-year-old 10 choices for breakfast or 10 choices on what to wear today because they don't have, first of all, they don't have the mental capacity to handle 10 choices. We're going to give them two choices. But how can you make an effective choice when you have 10 choices, right? So if you take that logic of how you present choices to your children and then present choices to yourself in the same way. That's just that's just that's just smart. That's working smarter not harder. And in your book you talk about minimizing your choices means perhaps minimizing what you're going to wear that day. A capsule wardrobe has been <laughs> the best part for me about having a capsule wardrobe is I only have stuff that looks good on me now. And so I'm not <laughs> I'm not overwhelmed by all the choices. Are there any other ways in which you minimize your choices as a means of increasing your amount of free time? I guess I would say probably just when it has to come with your schedule. So I would say that we have a pretty structured week. With that said, we have freedom within the structure. So I know that I have for For example, after I drop off my daughter, I have a few hours to spend with my boys. So we usually have one of like four things that we're going to do during that time. And I know every Monday we go see my friend Chelsea and then every Tuesday we grocery shop. And then every Thursday we see my cousin. And then every Friday we have Charlotte home and we do like a bigger excursion. So it's these things that like you have somewhat freedom of, okay, well, where are we going to meet Chelsea today? Where are we going to meet Kelsey today? But we are still set to like somewhat of a structure that I don't have to think about, well, what is it that we're doing? And I feel like 
that allows for people that are more free spirited and kind of going with the flow. You can have that structure to set your days, but you can also still have some fun with it. Because I know for some people, I know my cousin, she would hate to eat the same thing for breakfast every day. She wants that variation. So maybe that's not where you reduce your choices. Maybe it's in your schedule or maybe it is in your wardrobe. But I think that the importance of that area of focus is to figure out what you can streamline or what can be outsourced or what can you cut out altogether and really cut down the number of choices that you're making each day to save your mental capacity. Hmm. Well, related to cutting down and cutting out is your tip to unfriend, unsubscribe, and unfollow. Now, (laughs) this is such a good one. Talk to me. How can unfriending, unsubscribing, and unfollowing How are all those activities related to time minimalism? So one, I think it cuts down on the amount of time that you honestly are spending on your phone because you aren't following individuals that like, honestly, it just adds up. If you think about the amount of time that it would take to get through 200 friends, that's a lot of time committed to social media scrolling. But I think that when you choose and carefully curate who you're following, you can, I mean, number one, you cut down in the amount of time spending, but also I guess I, that, that area of focus was more intended on comparison, I guess, and who makes you feel less than. And I just know for me, when I was following people, I'm trying to think like fitness influencers or something that would make me feel bad about myself like that, there was no time in my day to spend thinking negatively about my body or what I wasn't doing or how I wasn't working out enough. And so when I chose to unfriend or unfollow, I allowed that brain, again, I keep using the word brain capacity. I allowed that space to be filled with something else that was more intentional. So I think that, again, all of this really comes back to intentional living and curating the type of life that you want to live. And usually that has to do with less and that has to do with less comparison and less individuals we're comparing our lives to and less decisions. And I just think that spending your time on someone or something that adds value to your life is most important and just not allowing that mental clutter to build. Hmm. My husband, he has never been one for social media. He had a Facebook account that he used sometimes, and then he got hacked. And he used the hacking as the start of him just closing down his Facebook and living social media free. That was probably about three years ago now. If you ask him, he will say that was the best decision he ever made because now he prioritizes the real friendships in real life. If he wants to talk to a friend, he calls them up. And so I guess I must ask you, I've gone back and forth for me personally, but have you ever considered just getting off of social media? Oh, definitely. My husband did the same thing. He got rid of social media last summer and I feel like he is a much happier person because of it. He only had Facebook, but I think that he was just recognizing that he was spending so much time just reading through discussion discussions that other people were having and all that negativity. That, I don't know. Some For some reason, sometimes the internet can just bring out the worst in humanity. But for me... It is a struggle because I would say that this business that I've built is so much on, I I depend on social media, I guess, in certain ways. And then I also have a photography business that I use for social media. But 
yes, I've definitely thought about it, but I think at this time in my life, it wouldn't be as practical, I guess, for what I'm trying to achieve. But I think just setting boundaries. I know in the past I've taken off Sundays or I try to not really get on there on the whole weekend. So I think that's probably what's most important to me right now is just limiting the amount of time that I'm spending and who I'm following as opposed to getting off entirely. I'm with you there. I do all my own. (laughs) I'm doing air quotes over here, but my own quote, social media marketing. And I'm doing the air quotes because I'm not doing any marketing whatsoever. I just post once in a while. (laughs) But until I can outsource that, I don't really think it's feasible for me to get off social media entirely. But I will say that I was fortunate to talk to Desiree, the host of the With Intention podcast, and she said that throughout her day, she deletes the apps. She'll delete all the apps (laughs) and she'll reinstall them when she wants to use them. And that's a way for her to keep herself in check and, you know, save time by not having social media literally at your fingertips. And so I started doing that in the last month. And it is a huge pain to reinstall the apps, but they do keep me off social media during the day. So just a tip for anybody listening who missed that interview. It's a good one. And it and it has worked for me. The final tip that you have that I want to talk to you about today when it comes to time minimalism is quitting to win. What on earth does that mean? Okay. So this would seem, do you know that phrase, quitters never prosper? I'm sure that you've heard that idea. I would, in this area of focus, I would like to challenge that and say that sometimes when you quit something, you do win. Again, I don't think that this means not following through your commitments because I, if my children decide to play a sport and halfway through, they're like, oh, I don't really want to do this. I I don't like that. We're going to We're going to commit to what we said we were going to. But I would say, what if instead of overloading yourself, you just quit those things that are standing in the way of what ultimately makes you win? And I think that so often in culture, we just glorify busyness. You've you've heard this before and just achieving success. But I think that what are the actual wins in life? I think that what do you define as a win, I guess? And so I think that before you probably commit to anything, just a project, a job, or just really any commitment to allow you yourself to say, heck yes, if it's something that you really want to do. But if it's something like a book club or something that you've joined and you're not enjoying it and you maybe signed up for it without really meaning yes, you can quit and you get that space back to, you get that space back in your schedule to where you, you ultimately win because you have more time in your day. Mm. I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said it's about redefining what it means to win, right? Like we live in a culture that glorifies power and money and perhaps perhaps winning for you or for me or for anybody listening is having game night with our kids. <laughs> I love that redefining what winning or what success means to you and I'm going to think about that after we hang up. But Diane, where can my listeners find, first of all, your podcast and also your new book? 
so they can find the podcast on Instagram at Minimalist Moms Podcast. And then I'm also on Facebook. I believe it's under Minimalist Moms. And in the book, you can go to minimalistmomspodcast.com and you'll find links to where you can find it. But Amazon, I think bookshop.org, Barnes and Noble. So yeah, I'm really excited. Well, I am so excited for you. The book was an amazing read. I read it all weekend. I loved every second of it. And I'm just so happy to connect with you again. And I wish you so much success. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I so hope you enjoyed my chat with Diane Bowden. I have linked to her podcast and her book in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 172. I was going through my emails and I found some eco tips that fell through the cracks. My sincere apologies. My inbox is just a big fat black hole these days. But I found a great eco tip from Andrea. And Andrea says that on the rare occasion where she forgets her reusable grocery bag and has to take a plastic one, she has made it a rule that she then has to fill up that plastic bag with trash that she picks up on her walks. What a great idea. Thank you so much, Andrea, for sending that along. And my sincere apologies that it took me (laughs) three months to put your tip on air. Really quick, a quick reminder, if you love this show, if you love other shows, you can help this show and other shows grow by leaving them quick reviews on Apple Podcasts. It's a free way. It is a fast way for you to support your favorite shows. And I think I speak for all of us podcasters when I say we really appreciate you taking the time. So thank you. And if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, you are not off the hook. You can go on with your bad self and tell a friend about your favorite shows. You can post about them on social media. Those are all great free ways that you can support our work. So thank you so much. On next week's show, actually, it's not next week's show. This is a two- show week here at the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. So next up, we are simplifying our children's nutrition. I will see you in two short days for episode 173. See you then and take care.